Welcome to the Newson Health Menopause Podcast. I'm Dr. Louise Newson, a GP and menopause specialist, and I run the Newson Health Menopause and Wellbeing Centre here in Stratford-upon-Avon. So today, by popular request, I have invited Emma Ellis-Flint, who is a nutritionist I work closely with. So I've invited her back into my clinic. I'm very grateful because she's often here in the clinic seeing some of my patients. So today, we wanted to talk about fermented food. So welcome, Emma. Yeah, hey. Hi, Louise. There's been so much about gut health, about how it can link with hormones, about our mental health. There's a huge amount of information out there. But Often I'm getting messages to say that people are still quite confused. So we thought we would do a real sort of noddy, very basic guide, if that's all right, Emma. So before we start talking about fermented foods, what I wanted to do was just talk about our gut, because it's a massive organ, isn't it? Yes. And very important. And when I was at medical school, I just was really taught, it started with the mouth, ended with the anus, and we know all about digestion. You know, my children at school know about the main food groups, about digestion, and what's important to eat and not. But they don't know anything about gut microbes or gut health or how it connects with various other organs like our brain and our body. So can you just explain a bit more about this amazing organ that we have in our yes. body. Yes, <laughs> yes, I will. Okay, absolutely. And you're right, it starts in the mouth and ends in the anus, definitely. Yeah. And, and there's actually beneficial microorganisms throughout in your mouth and right the way through, and they're different depending on the environment in the gastrointestinal tract. The main one we hear a lot about is the microorganisms in the large intestine. It's called the large intestine Mm -hmm. for a reason. It's the largest surface area of the digestive system. It's all kind of around your belly and that sort of area. So it's very long, isn't it? If you took it out and stretched it. Right. (laughs) There's a lot of people saying how far it would stretch. I don't know about that. It stretches an awful long way. Yeah. The surface area. Yes, it's absolutely enormous. And living in there is billions of beneficial microorganisms and some microorganisms that are not so beneficial for us and they live there in this environment in this soupy gloopy sort of gel-like environment kind of like a swamp happily so in most people not so in others and this is where the food that we have finished doing the digesting of the kind of classic things we think of of sugars and proteins and some minerals and vitamins and things like that and this is where that sort of leftover food only it's not at all but this is where this leftover food goes through and in this sort of state they call a bolus but you can imagine it's kind of a little still a bit mushy often and it's sort of churned around and moved through this very very long tube of the large intestine but in fact now we know that there's so much more going on than just moving it through and it's all about well what goes on in that large intestine Mm. especially and how does it affect our mood and how does it affect our kind of well-being and our inflammation say in our body and Just, you know, how happy do we feel? And this large intestine affects that. Which is so interesting because certainly at medical school I was taught, and it's quite right, that as the uh, sort of faecal matter passes down the large intestine, water gets absorbed back into the body. And that's the most important part of the large intestine, which, you know, it is important because obviously we don't want to just have diarrhoea every day. 
But actually, you know, all these bugs, I didn't even know there were bugs in yeah. our bowels. We just know about if someone's got an infection, if they've got traveller's diarrhoea or, or they've picked up gastroenteritis. That's bugs that cause disease. Yeah. But we didn't know that there were bugs that cause health. Yes. So it's quite weird, isn't it? Yeah. And we've been brought up, or I've certainly been brought up in an era where we used to give a lot of antibiotics to try and to reduce antibiotic prescribing. And obviously we want to eliminate bad bugs, mm. but we don't want to eliminate the good ones, do we? No, that's yeah. it, exactly. Well, an antibiotic... Although profoundly important when someone is very sick and needs it, it doesn't discriminate necessarily between the good and the bad bacteria in the large intestine. So it reduces them all down. And, you know, there are, I mean, there are antibiotics which are more specific to certain strains, but antibiotic use can generally reduce down both the variety and the numbers Which of is really the important, bacteria. isn't it? I know in Germany yeah. they give probiotics as well as giving um, antibiotics, the doctors do, which is yeah. fantastic. Whereas yeah. over here, we I mean, I always recommend them, as you know, but there's lots of doctors that wouldn't even know what probiotic is. So how can we improve our gut health? Because we can always improve it, can't we? Even yes. when we think we've got the best diet in the world, there's always yes. ways. But sadly, there's, like you say, antibiotics can change the gut flora but also some food can as well so that's talk right us through the good ways of improving our gut health and then yeah. we'll maybe talk about what we're doing wrong as well to okay. ruin our gut yeah. health if that's okay <laughs> so those gut microbiota they feed on generally the ones we're trying to promote feed on plant food right and a plant-based food mm. is uh, vegetables and fruits and nuts and seeds and grains and legumes and pulses. That's all the yes. plant okay. kingdom that we so eat. Lots of colour. Lots of colour, but not just colour because we are talking about whole grains and we're talking about legumes and pulses and nuts and seeds. But it's all the kind of the wholeness of it all. It's that plant kingdom. Yes. So yes, when we've talked about lots of colour being beneficial, and it is massively beneficial to us, we're talking about really a person trying to have a big variety in their diet yes. of plant food. So variety is really important. Variety. And by yeah. talking about the colour, it kind of pushes people, you know, have lots of colour on your plate. Well, that means have lots of variety yes. of plant foods on your plate. And what about organic food? Is that better for our gut health if we try and have organic vegetables or does that not make much difference? What okay, so that this is the icing on the cake. Mm. This is the tweaking of your, yes. if you okay. want more perfection. Yes, organic food is better mm. than non-organic because those pesticides, for instance, that linger on more so on the non-organic foods, they also disturb that lovely balance of the gut microbiota yeah. in our large intestine and can upset them. And also you can imagine things like um, fungicides that linger on plant foods have a fungicidal effect in our large intestine now this is at a very small level it's also very price dependent if someone can't afford necessarily to buy organics well they're still doing themselves an enormous amount of good eating lots of plant food washing it um yeah washing it before but if you can afford it try and step it up a bit and wherever you can buy organics i mean i I mainly organic food but i try and eat in season and that's often good as well, isn't it? Because yes. So seasonal food is just generally higher in the beneficial vitamins like vitamin C, but also higher in the phytonutrients. The phytonutrients are these chemicals in all plant food, and there's all different beneficial chemicals, phytonutrients in plant food. And 
many of those phytonutrients are beneficial for us human beings and our body, but also beneficial for the microbiota. They also love it. Right. For instance, you take dark berries like blueberries or black currants, yeah. and the microbiota love that dark color. That dark color is a phytonutrient, and they love it. They thrive from it just as much as we do as our human body. Yeah, yeah. And so that's also beneficial because there's more phytonutrients as well as vitamins in seasonally fresh food right that's, so that's partly really why. key isn't it to yeah. try it. i mean it, obviously it's not always possible no. um, yeah. but if we can then that's yeah. definitely a good thing isn't it yeah but um just talking about those say dark berries mm. when they become expensive and they're not in season in winter buying frozen is actually still yeah. really good yeah i mean certainly i bulk freeze everything because that's the way i use my life because yeah. i'm so busy and i often will freeze berries when they're in season and then they're there but i think there is a bit of stigma isn't there about frozen foods but it's, yeah, no, it can it's actually fine. be fresher sometimes yeah, than absolutely. buying from the supermarket yes. and um, far better than tinned. So if you're having sweet corn, for example, it's far better to have frozen sweet corn than tinned sweet corn, isn't it? Yes, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. I, yes, but especially those dark berry colours and yes. things like that don't get destroyed with the freezing yes. effect. So that's great. So that's but going back to the plant food, mm. being food for our beneficial gut microbiota, it's particularly about different types of what they call starches in the food. So starches or fibres or the carbohydrate, basically. Mm. So we're not talking about sugar here, that simple carbohydrate. We're talking about more complex carbohydrates. And we're talking about different fibres. So we're not just talking about really branny type fibres necessarily, because there are different fibres that beneficially feed the gut microbiota. Different fibres, some fibres, if you've noticed when you might be cooking up Oats, for instance, making porridge. Mm. Porridge goes quite gloopy, doesn't it? And that gloopiness is called soluble fibre. And that makes a sort of a a lovely gel gloopiness. And other foods do the same, like um, chia seeds and things like that. Mm. And our gut microbiota love those just as much as, for instance, going back to those oats, there's the insoluble fibre, which is actually the fibre you still see in, say, in the porridge or in the oats, which is hard for our body to digest, but the gut microbes love that type of fibre. So it loves both types. So it's having a combination. Yes, very much so. And there's things called resistant starch as well, mm. which is another form of food for your gut microbiota. And where might that might be found? Resistant starch is in potatoes, mm. which we used to all think was so bad for you because it potentially raised your insulin levels too fast when you ate it. And it was kind of thought to perhaps not be so good for us well actually um research is talking about the resistant starch and potatoes being so good for us and our gut microbiota and if we cook them and cool them and then eat them or even cool them and reheat them you've got plenty of resistant starch and the gut microbes love those as well so plant kingdom generally is just wonderful really interesting so let's move on to fermenting yes Fermenting was never really spoken about much decades ago, and now there's been a huge amount of uh, fermenting foods, and we can buy stuff, and we hear about it, loads of recipe books, and I'm still a bit scared, and I think a lot of people are, what does it mean, how do you do it? Um, Talk us through, what what is fermenting? Well, yeah, so fermented foods are foods that have been fermented, allowed to go sort of off, but they go off in such a way that they produce beneficial bacteria. It's not about having mouldy food in you. No, no, that's right. And through centuries, in fact, humans have found that these types of fermented foods work really well with our gut and people feel better Mm. after eating them and it's 
Very interesting. So traditionally, if you think about preserving milk with yogurt, well, yogurt doesn't actually last that long. So actually, it's really it was done because that was a much better way for an adult human to eat and digest dairy because that beneficial bacteria has actually pre-digested the lactose in the dairy. So that's great. Plus, there are these live bacteria in them, like acidophilus and bifidus and stuff, which work beautifully in our gut. And our own host gut bacteria that's already in there love the acidophilus and bifidus. It's like a party. So when the yogurt gets in there and that acidophilus and bifidus get in there, the others who are already in the gut say, oh, hey, mate, you know, and they have a bit of a a shindig together and a bit of a party, and it kind of benefits everybody, including, you know, our feelings Mm -hmm. of gut health and well-being. I mean, digressing, there are some people who can't tolerate dairy foods, and that's fair enough. There's many other fermented Mm -hmm. foods. I just pick yogurt because it's so common because of that reason. So fermented foods, let's name some others so people become familiar with what I'm talking about. Yogurt being, I think in this country anyway, in the UK, one of the most familiar fermented foods people know about. But there's sauerkraut, Mm -hmm. which is fermented cabbage. And then there's, from more of the Asian countries, there's another fermented cabbage dish called kimchi, Mm -hmm. often has chilli with it. And then there is drinks as well, where you've got things like kombucha, Mm -hmm. which is actually a tea, just simply tea and sugar, which is fermented with other microorganisms. Actually, we'll come back to that because it's quite a lot of fun, that one, (coughs) if you've ever seen it. I'll try and describe it on the podcast to people. And alongside the yogurt, we've got something called kefir, which brilliantly now is available in most supermarkets in the dairy section. And kefir are different microorganisms from yogurt. And they're also really beneficial. In fact, kefir has many more beneficial microorganisms in them than yogurt. So like, say, 20 beneficial microorganisms, whereas yogurt has maybe two or three. So when you say yogurt, does that mean low-fat strawberry yogurt that I buy from the supermarket? Which has got lots of sugar in it. (laughs) Not usually. Usually that's pasteurised. No, I'm just talking about natural yogurt. So this is really important, isn't it? So yeah. Full fat usually. Anything that's labelled low fat probably shouldn't be. It depends, Um, yeah. But yes. This is a general rule. Yes, absolutely. So and a sort of Greek style unpasteurised yogurt would be best. Yeah, so the milk itself, of course, is pasteurised because that's the legislation in the UK. But then when they've made the yogurt, they don't pasteurise it to then kill the beneficial bacteria. So there it is, it's fabulous. A natural, unsweetened yogurt, absolutely fantastic. And then you can go and sweeten it yourself or add your own fruit or do what you like with it rather than buy it ready, sweetened and sugared up. So that's a good start. That's a great start. Absolutely great start. Lots of people are probably having fermented food and don't even realise that... They're probably having yoghurt and then they've seen this kefir on the shelf next to yoghurt and thinking, what the heck's that? Well, it kind of actually tastes a little bit like yoghurt and it's a little bit more sour and it's actually even more beneficial for the gut and many more beneficial microorganisms than that. So what is kefir then? So kefir is, it looks like this spongy white grain mm. um and it's sort of rice pudding yeah a bit right yes yeah. absolutely like cooked rice mm. and it's that cooked ricey spongy sort of grain thing is just a collection of the microorganisms living in their own little kind of house yes. um and they when you add milk to it they feed off the lactose in the milk and they digest it which is fabulous because it's their food for them and they're they're having their own little life going on in there and they're happy as anything. But what they produce is this lovely kind of dairy yogurty type drink or 
And that is really beneficial. You strain away the grains and you eat it or drink it. Mm. And it's great. The bacteria in that, the kefir bacteria are great working with your gut. And then how do you choose? Because there's loads now, aren't there? And actually, as you know, I make my own and I hate the taste of the ones that you buy from the supermarket, but they vary a lot, don't they? And actually, they can be quite pricey if you're having them all the time. Yes, they can. So what would you recommend? You know, if you go, you're new to Kefu, you want to try it and then you go to a supermarket and there's six, eight different choices. Yeah, I choose one that's not been flavoured up or sweetened, number one. Preferably if you can afford it, choose one that's organic. Right. I really like that if it was the dairy was organic mm. and beyond that try one and use it gradually just when you're starting out just have two heap tablespoons of it yes. each day at whatever point yeah. and i think to drink it is quite sharp yes so if, if you used to it. absolutely if you wanted to use it in a drink it's best to make up a smoothie with yes. some frozen berries yeah. i mean i i mix yogurt and with granola and fruit so uh, the d- taste is diluted right from the start anyway but there um, you go yeah i think yeah. but you can't make kefir from bought no kefir, you, you so, need to have the grains or a kefir so starter how do you get the grains i know um, you kindly gave me but not everyone i know most people give them away them. it's yeah. very, it's a bit hard at the moment you mm. want to ask around if anyone has some kefir grains or you want to go to a health food store and ask them if they have them okay. or can supply kefir grains or you go online and you google it and one you're because i know you're changing your website but when it's live will you have any links or suggestions absolutely right i'm going to be suggesting links most definitely okay, in the uk to people to be able to buy kefir grains both dairy and water kefir grains that's the water kefir yes I bought so you brought today. this drink and the, and the water kefir grains they they're a little bit more opaque than the dairy kefir grains but they're still in this kind of they look like tiny little jelly pieces and you literally ferment them with water and sugar and they feed off the sugar and they gradually digest it so it goes away and you ferment it it's slower than dairy kefir but you ferment it say for a week and you've got a faintly sweet drink and then you flavor it up with grated fresh ginger or a few sort of slices of lemon zest Excellent. Yeah. So that's be good for people that can't tolerate dairy. Yes, and it's fabulous as well. Mm. Must say it tastes delicious. It does taste great, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so that's another good one. And of course that doesn't have caffeine in it, which kombucha, another fermented good fermented drink does that's made with black tea and so it therefore has caffeine yes. in it. and some people can't tolerate yeah, the caffeine. I mean, I, as you know I don't drink any caffeine at all yeah. so I wouldn't have kombucha yeah. but this is great if you don't want a milky yes product, it yeah. is great so water kefir is mm. good you've got things like live apple cider vinegar which yes. has got them what they call the mother in it which is the actual live bacteria and there's some great companies in the yes. UK that produce that. Yeah. And then you can make a drink with that, a dash of apple cider vinegar with some, say, fizzy water. It's a lovely drink. Mm. So that's, that's still fermented. Also a fermented drink. Interesting. Okay, because I make a lot of salad dressings with yep. um, apple cider Perfect. vinegar. Perfect. So good. Yeah, that's very good. I think about it being fermented food. Yeah. So yeah. I'm fermenting without even realising. <laughs> that's great. And so going back to sauerkraut. Yes. Sauerkraut, all sauerkraut is, is actually fermented cabbage. So very simple. Very simple. Cabbage itself has its own microbes naturally on it all plants have their own natural microbes of course living on them and so what you do is you very finely shred or chop cabbage Mm. add a little bit of salt in a bowl you squeeze and squeeze and squeeze it and mush it and that sort of thing until you get kind of liquid leaching out of the cabbage and what you do then is you have flavors in maybe some cumin seeds or some caraway seeds or some juniper berries anyway that's up to you you pack it into a preserving jar which has been sterilized pack it right down and then pour the liquid over the top 
tap it a bit, get rid of any air bubbles, mm. then pop a weight or something on the top right. of that so that the cabbage stays below the liquid line. Mm-hmm. Pop the lid on and forget about it for four weeks and it just ferments away. So it doesn't take that long to no. make. It always, for me, seems a bit scary, but I know you've been doing some lovely fermenting workshops here in my menopause clinic in Stratford-upon-Avon and a lot of fun. Oh, it's been great. The photos look great. Um, <laughs> and men and women have come, which oh, is yes. brilliant. Oh, yes, yes. So once you've done that, you just leave it for four weeks or so. Leave it for four weeks. Um, then it's ready, open it up, then have about a tablespoon each day is plenty, it's great. So you don't need much. No, you don't yeah. need much. And it helps with digestion, actually, as yeah. well. Having that kind of like, almost as a condiment on your plate. Right. And how long will it last once you've made it? Well, I put it in the fridge once I've made it, mm-hmm. and I'm using it, and it'll last six months. Okay. Yeah. So it's a long time, isn't yeah. it? And it can be made with different types of cabbage. Yes, red or white cabbage, yeah. savoy, there are many other varieties. Yeah. I can't remember them off the top of my head. Yes, yeah, so it doesn't matter. It's just cabbage, preferably yeah. organic. There's more bloom on those. Right. Yes. And away you go. Brilliant. And you can buy, I mean, I have bought some sauerkraut. Yeah. There's a company near here, isn't there, that make very good. So I know Brilliant. where it's from. And I keep it in the fridge and I often just have a spoon with my salad and my yeah. children hate the smell. So often want me to go and sit elsewhere because <laughs> it is an acquired taste. And yes. I think what we're talking about for people that have never had any of these foods they're not going to suddenly pile the place up with fermented foods because they might have some some of my friends say well I then I it doesn't suit me because I get tummy pain or yeah, feel or uncomfortable bloating. or bloating yeah. so how would you get around that yeah well you start slowly yes. most definitely okay. you start slowly yeah. so you just pick one a fermented food say yeah. kefir I think mm. dairy kefir is one of the best to start by it yes because it's there in the supermarkets yeah. and have a couple of tablespoons each day get into it you eat it any way you like and then once you're used to that perhaps you might start introducing in say some sauerkraut yes. the live sauerkraut is not just off the supermarket shelf mm. in a jar. That, unfortunately, has had to be pasteurised. Yes, the live like sauerkraut is in the fridge. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And then start with a tablespoon of that. Just do it slowly. Mm. And then what other fermented foods are there? They're all cheese. Like, the longer, the older the cheese, the more fermented it is. So that's okay. a fermented food. Mm-hmm. There's that fermented food, natto. Natto, yes, that you've made me try. <laughs> yeah, fermented soya beans. That's a Japanese fermented soya bean. And that, you don't need much of at no, all. No, a couple of teaspoons yes. of that. Um, where do you find that? That's in the freezer section usually of, say, Japanese shops, yes. somewhere like that. You could buy it online. That's yeah. a brilliant one. Some people have found that's quite profound for their gut. Okay. Varies f- with everybody. Which fermented food suits yes. their gut the most or they like? Sometimes it's a bit of trial and error, isn't it? Yes. Um, and it's true to say that sometimes people, when you have fermented food, it makes you feel happier, which seems a bit yeah. crazy, doesn't it? And, yeah. and often... It's very pleasurable if you have a good meal with friends and good company, but actually the whole gut microbes can help our serotonin, our happy hormone in our brain content. Well, this is the thing, so pulling right back to the beginning of our podcast, we want to bring in foods that feed that good beneficial gut microbiota in our large intestine. And partly we want to do that because they themselves produce the kind of chemical components Mm. that make up neurotransmitters, which are things like dopamine and serotonin. And those actually are beneficial in the brain for those feelings of happiness and good mood and yeah. even so important euphoria. yes we live in a time of doom and gloom and yeah. anything that can lift our mood naturally has yeah. got to be good hasn't yeah, it absolutely so before we finish what about those foods we mentioned a bit at the beginning going the other way better anti-fermenting foods yeah. so what will really flora gut flora we've said flora, flora, gut flora. flora gut flora. i know yeah <laughs> <laughs> we've talked about antibiotics which is the obvious thing yeah. um 
But what else can we do wrongly to affect um, our gut? So sugar, just, you know, like table sugar, like cane sugar, right. that really is quite negative to our gut microbiota and it just doesn't help at all okay. and sort of reduces down the numbers down there in that party they're having down so there. So that's not just adding help. sugar to our porridge in the morning, that's actually sugar that's in food and often yeah, it's hidden in food, isn't and, it? And, you know... During our day, exactly. During the day, it'd be surprising mm. how much sugar some people eat without yes. realising it. Yes. So it's not just where something might taste sweet. It might be a processed or takeaway food or something. Yes. Or, or, or something that's pre-made. Savoury. Yes. You know, a lot of my patients say they eat really healthy and they have a whole plethora of vegetables, but then they're putting a ready-made sauce on top. Yeah, that's often really high sh- very high in sugar. Hesitate. Yeah, so it comes in and you have to kind of be a bit aware yes. of it and okay. just take it out. Yeah, sugar is quite detrimental. So is alcohol. Okay. Alcohol sh- has sugar in it. It's not beneficial to our those yes, gut microbes. So we need to moderate yeah. alcohol. Yeah. yeah. But generally speaking, a foods that people eat that are just kind of low in fibre or, yes. or kind of that sort of Western diet. Yeah, so we're... White bread sandwich with very processed cheese with maybe... A bit of mayonnaise which has sugar mayonnaise. in it. Yeah, it's that's it. That's seriously not Washed going to down feed with a them. Of beer. It's not right. great. Yeah. <laughs> but so, we know, I mean, yeah. people do, don't they? We, we're a very fast nation. We want to eat on the go. A lot of people will grab a sandwich. And, a, and I guess things like Coca-Cola or a fizzy drinks. They've, yeah, they've got sweet drinks. Sugar in. Yeah. And even the zero sugar or low sugar... Yep. Drinks often still have sugars in them, don't they? They do, and also the um, even the artificial sugars, they actually are also detrimental to our gut yes. microbiota. And I think that's really important because there's a big move to low sugar, low calorie drinks, all the, and food as well. And but they're sweetened, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. I mean, I've read that because the gut don't know how to process it, the body doesn't know how to process that's right. it. Firstly, well, the body converts it to fat. But also it's quite toxic to the body, isn't it? And I'm sure it has such a negative effect on our gut health. Yeah, so talking about the gut health and mm. those bacteria, the bacteria also think, what the heck is this? And actually yes. it is a negative yeah. chemical with those gut bacteria. So we're talking about those things. Generally, you know, white rice, white flour, yes. that sort of thing. But you're going back to, so if someone wants a sandwich for lunch, well, they can buy multigrain bread. Yes. They can have multigrain bread. They can try and pile in as many veggies yes. as possible. And have a handful like of seeds or nuts as well. I have a handful of um, yeah. raw nuts, like raw almonds with the skin on. That skin is profoundly mm. good for the gut bi- microbiota. Yeah. It's really great. Perhaps have some hummus in that sandwich. Hummus has chickpeas in. Chickpeas are a legume. They're great yeah. fibre. So it's just and making so, little changes, yeah. isn't it, that can really make a huge difference yeah. to our health. So, oh, that's been brilliant. Thank you ever so much. Before we end, could I just have three take-home tips? So for people out there who are listening who have never done any fermenting who just want to have a dabble want to really improve their gut health what would you suggest so number one i'd say start with buy some kefir some sugar-free kefir and when you get at home have perhaps two tablespoons each day in any way you like mixing it into another drink or mixing it into your breakfast and just try that and start with the kefir because that's really good and secondly i would say bring in as much kind of fibre-rich foods as you can tolerate just slowly yeah. do that not all at once if you have a whole load of chickpeas say all at once you are going to get much. bloated yeah. yeah and you're going to get sort of maybe even loose bowels and that sort of thing so just bring it in slowly but just increase up the fibre all plant foods yeah. just increase them in just gradually bring in just a bit more into your day 
And then I think the third one is just not to be put off by feeling at all quite overwhelming. Little bits really make a big difference. If you're just bringing in, say, some oats every day, cooked or uncooked, then you're doing a profound goodness Mm. for your gut. So I think that's really key, isn't it? Making very small changes. So thinking about what you can cut down rather than stop. Yeah. And what you can introduce yeah. and then just changing that balance is yeah. really important. And I know you've got lots of tips on your website and your Instagram's brilliant. It's very inspiring watching <laughs> how you do very simple things. And that's important. It's not to be scared of trying something new. That's so, exactly right. Yeah. And start with a little bit yeah. then, and just build it up. Oh, that's been brilliant. So thanks ever so much for your time, Emma. I really appreciate it. Thanks, thanks, for thanks Louise. Thanks. For more information about the menopause, please visit our website www.menopausedoctor.co.uk.